Thank you for joining us for this Vive Church podcast. We have something special coming up this summer that we want to invite you to. Our very first Vive conference, There is a Hope, on August 25th and 26th in San Francisco. For more information on how to register, visit viveconference.com. Now, we know this podcast is going to speak directly to you, so we hope you enjoy it. What's up, Vive Church? Are we good? I can't hear you, Palo Alto. Are we good? How's my Oakland people, my San Francisco peeps, my SJ peeps? I know I've got people online as well. It's so great. But we are going to come around the Word of God together. Do you have your Bibles with you? Why don't you grab them out in every location? Grab your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. I can see some, uh, some iPhones. I can see some technology here. Do we have it on screen as well? I'm sure we'll get it up there at some point. But Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. We're talking about marriage today. Are you ready for it? Let me tell you, I got a good word for you today. My sermon title is Marriage More Than Meets the Eye. Oh, it's going to be good. Did you see what I did there? Fresh eyes, more than meets the eye. I feel like if you have to explain it, it might not be that wonderful. But hey, we're going to have some fun. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. And every man said? Amen. Amen. That's right. There's a big rumble here. Amen. Yeah. I will make a helper corresponding to him. The Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal and every beast of the sky and brought each of the man to see uh, each uh, to the man to see what he would call it. I love that God gave Adam the job of naming every creation and whatever the man called a living creature that was its name the man gave names to all the livestock to the birds of the sky and every wild animal but for the man no helper was found corresponding to him insert sigh there So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this is amazing. This one is at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from the man. This, my friends, verse 24, is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds to his wife and they become one flesh. Nudge the person next to you, say one flesh. Both the man and his wife were naked. Oh my goodness, it just got real in here and they felt no shame. Why don't you just high five somebody on that note as you take your seat this morning in all our locations. And we thank our worship team. Isn't our worship team incredible? Absolutely amazing. Did you love those baptisms that we just, so powerful. Is Andy here? Is Andy Pennock in the building? He's still getting ready. Okay, no worries. I'll talk to him later. That was just a powerful moment. Did you see the joy on his face as he came up out of those baptism waters? Let me tell you, the joy of the Lord is his strength. 
the enemies come to rob, steal, kill and kill and destroy, but God comes to bring life. And that was life right there. You witnessed it. It was amazing. So, yeah, give God a hand. Do you know what I love about this passage of Scripture that we just read in Genesis chapter 2? is that God created the heavens, He created the earth, and then He created marriage. Marriage is pretty important to God. I gotta tell you, marriage is God's intent. He has a plan for it. It was His idea. It's not our idea. It was always His idea first. So you can be encouraged today that marriage is something that God has instituted, that He is going to help us in our journey of marriage. It's an exciting journey to go on to, let me tell you. Any married people here? Can I have your love and support today? Thank you. Awesome. Well, on that note, I think we should pray. Let's pray today. Father, I just thank you so much that nobody is here by mistake. I thank you, those sitting in Oakland, San Francisco, San Jose, and right here in Palo Alto. You've drawn us out of our world today to speak a word in season. God, I thank you that you catch us wherever we are in our season of life and that you put some wisdom on the inside of us today. God, I thank you. It's a word in season. It's a timely word. And it's a word that will transform us from the inside out. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. amen. I got to tell you, my husband and I were celebrating our 15th wedding anniversary in February. It was, yeah, that's worth a hand. You know, living with my husband has been the greatest joy. But let me tell you, triumph as well. But let me tell you. 15 years we celebrated and um, this, uh, this series was birthed out of that celebration, Fresh Eyes. Um, Adam created a playlist for me. Who loves playlists? And so, you know, guys, create a playlist for your girl. Like, it's, it's so romantic. And so, like, every romance, the movie that you watch has a theme song, Right. You know, you can think of all your favourite movies and you can remember the songs. Well, why not your marriage? Why not create a playlist for your marriage? And so, so he created a playlist for me and that was the first song on it, Fresh Eyes. And I guess what he was kind of trying to get inside my brain was that, babe, I'm going to give you fresh eyes. I'm going to look at you with fresh eyes every new day for the next 15 years and the next 30 years and the 15 after that for a lifetime. And I think that's so beautiful, isn't it? To be able to give each other the privilege of fresh eyes that you can change and you can become better and we can renew our perspective on each other. And I'm believing that God's going to do that for you today. I'm going to believe that He will give you fresh eyes on marriage. I'm going to believe that He will give you fresh eyes for your spouse, that He'll give you fresh eyes for your kids and everybody around you. Amen. And so, so that's where this series was birthed. And I've got to tell you, uh, we celebrated 15 years in Hawaii. Yes, we did it well. You can applaud that. You should go, you should, you know, do that for yourself. Take a holiday. Go and celebrate your wedding anniversary. It's like they, they, you should be celebrating those. And so anyways, we went to Hawaii. And if you know my husband, you know that he loves motorbikes. He loves cafe races in particular. He has a Bonneville Triumph. It's beautiful. Him on it is even better. If you're looking for a girl, guys, Bonneville Triumphs, you know, that's going to work in your favour. Very sexy, sexy. And so, so he has a love for motorbikes. So 
naturally on the island, there are mopeds to hire. So of course, we're going to hire a moped. So we go and we, we go to the guy to, to get the moped and the guy is like, hey, did you know that you don't even have to wear a helmet here in Hawaii? Now, to some of you, that's really exciting. To some of you, that is terrifying. And for my husband, it was exciting for me. I was a little indifferent about it. But then I had this romantic image of, you know, riding around the island with the warm breeze and wind in my hair and, you know, hot guy on the front of my bike, you know. It was like this, you know, you, you have fantasies too, right? Okay? And so, so we're, we're riding around this island together. Now, let me tell you, for like a hot five minutes, it was awesome. It was just like that. That theme song was running through my mind. I was like, this is beautiful. I don't think life could get any more amazing than this. And then as my husband in true Adam form starts to put his foot on the pedal. Now, if you are not wearing a helmet at 70 miles an hour, that's just a little, that's not as fun and romantic um, as 40 miles an hour, let me tell you. And so he is going through, we're going through tunnels. Do you remember that tunnel we rode through? Rode through a tunnel and he's like, I love Kira at the top of his lungs. And then some truck goes, boo, like, you know, like nearly blew our heads off. And so it was fun, but, but we'd, we're riding around the island. Then all of a sudden, these specks of like sand start whipping across my face. Have you ever been to the beach in a windstorm? Do you know the sting of like sand as it's like cutting through your body? Well, that is what it felt like across my face. And I'm thinking, wow, this is just getting, I'm holding on for dear life so that I don't fly off the back of this moped. And and so I'm holding on and then all of a sudden I realise these are not specks of sand. They're not even dirt. These are bugs flying at my face. One is flapping on my lip. It's caught in my lip gloss, people. Can you, this is a, to have some sympathy for me. This is traumatic for me. I've got my mouth shut because I am not opening it to get bugs in my teeth, okay? And, you know, you're kind of breathing out through your nose so none go up your nose. It's like it's just not a fun experience. And so this bug is flapping on my lip and and we've got a long ways to go. So I am trying my hardest to get this bug off the back of of my lip. And so I'm trying to wipe it on the back of his head while while we're going. Like use his hair to just wipe this off. Then as I'm doing it, and I, I kid you not, I am not being evangelistic as a preacher when I tell you this, evangelistic, I mean, you know, like elaborating the story. This is fact. So as we, as I'm doing this to what his head moves suddenly, shifts suddenly, a branch has randomly floated towards our heads and my husband has moved his out the way to strategically have it smack me in the face. It slices my cheek open and I'm, I'm on the back. He still has no idea. He is blissfully ignorant to the whole thing. He has his music up. He is singing. He is in a complete other world of his own. And I'm, you know, I could be somewhere else and he has no idea. Then, I kid you not, the very next thing that happens, we're pulling into the the turning circle, the concierge, 
chairs, you're waiting and a flipping truck drives past, a coconut hurls off the back of it and hits me in my arm. And then Adam at the concierge jumps off the bike and he's like, wasn't that awesome? That was so much fun. And I'm looking at him with my hair is like a hot mess, a bleeding cheek and limping. Yeah, it was awesome, babe. It was so good. It's like... This is a picture of my life, people. Adam running through life, having an amazing time, and Kira taking all the hits from everything along the way. Just like, just trying to keep up with you. And so, and so honestly, it kind of is a picture of our relationship though. The offences that he has caused me along our journey of life have been completely unintentional. Like he has been blissfully ignorant of them along the way. And, and, and I got all this like bag full of worries, you know. And so, so I thought that was funny. But, we, but what we did... What we did after that is we recovered. You know, in our first year of marriage, I might have made you pay for that for like a week and feel bad. But, you know, hey, I forgave, gave you grace. We got on with our day. That afternoon, we decided that, because, I mean, the pool gets a little boring after a while, you know? You're like, you have so much R&R and then you need some adventure. And so we decided we would go on a tandem bike ride. Anybody been on a tandem bike ride? No. Okay. <laughs> We have. It was unforgettable. You, you, it was one of those rides that I don't think we'll ever go on a tandem bike ride ever again, will we, babe? And so, so we, we decided this looks romantic. In the brochure, there's the couple are smiling. It looks like an amazing experience. It looks so much fun. And we thought, hey, you know, if the couple on this brochure can do it, we can do it. We've raised children together. We've bought homes together. We've planted a church together. We, we can do anything We could not get this tandem bike ride together. Do you know the concierge tried to talk us out of going on the bike ride? When we asked for it, we were like, hey, we'd like to go on the tandem bike ride. He's like, you guys don't want to do that. And we're like, no, no, we we do want to do that. Why is he being the fun police? I don't understand why he's being the fun police. He's smiling at us. I think he likes us. In hindsight, I'm realising he just wanted to save our marriage. He's seen so many couples come back in struggling on that tandem bike ride. He was just trying to help us out. And so so we went on this tandem bike ride. I mean, it all started bad. It was just not good. To, to even get on the bike is an issue. You, the, balance is required. And so we're trying to balance on this bike together. Do you know, we were completely inappropriately dressed to start off with. We're both wearing our thongs. It was just like... Flip-flops, we were wearing flip-flops, okay. We're Americans. I don't know what you guys wear in Oakland or in San Francisco or in San Jose, but these guys, um, thongs, obviously. Yeah, so flip-flops. So we were wearing our flip-flops. You don't wear flip-flops riding a bike. It's just not, I do not encourage it. And so Adam was wearing them. First pedal, he scrapes the head off his toe. Now, I know, man issues, right? It's like the man cold, you know? It's like I had zero sympathy after our moped ride. I was like, just deal with it, deal with it. 
let's keep going. It's like, so, so he, he keeps going and we, we finally get the balance together to write, be riding down the street. Now, the funny thing about this is the bike is making a whole lot of noise. Like a whole lot of noise. I think on the island, everybody on the island knew we were coming. It was like clink, 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 Like what is wrong with this stupid bike? And Adam is like announcing it ahead of time to everyone. He's like, sorry guys, bike needs some oil. And people are like walking, you know, on the path. Like they know to clear out of the way because they can hear us coming. We're that loud. And you know, we're blaming each other. We're like, what's wrong with you? Like, come on. He's like, you need to pedal faster, you need to pedal slower and he just loves to passenger drive all the time and tell me how to do things and so that's a whole nother thing and so and so it's a whole nother message and so and so we're, we're like trying to get this together then by coincidence I'm behind so I can be I can see our feet um, and how they're moving by coincidence my pedals begin to link up with his pedals And we begin to work in unison. We begin to work together. Let me tell you, that bike stopped making noise real quick. And so there was something about the alignment. I was like, Adam, we got to do it together. we got to do it together. So we started doing this. Man, we were flying around the island. It was so much fun. But i got to tell you, there is an analogy in this. Some of us are on that tandem bike of marriage and we're trying to pedal this thing. He's doing his thing. You're doing your thing. You're pedaling like you're on your own bike, but this bike needs two people to align and come together. And you're not going to have some peace in that marriage. It's going to sound clinky. It's going to be wobbly. It's going to be looking awkward to everybody else around you. You're going to be justifying and explaining why you're doing what you're doing to everyone around you until you get that alignment. And so today, I just want to help us all pedal together in our marriages. I know that there are some people here today who, if you're married, if you're married, why don't you put your hand up, be loud and proud about it. All right. In every location, we've got awesome married couples in our church. Well, I just want to encourage you today to get that pedaling happening together. Because I know each of you are trying to work the marriage in your own right. Everyone's working hard, but there is a work that you can do that is a little less effortless if it has purpose attached to it and alignment attached to it. Then there are those of us who are not married. If you are not married, why don't you put your hand up in every location, wave at me, holler at me. Awesome. Be loud and proud about it. It's okay. Singleness is not a disease. It's wonderful. It's one of the best phases of your life. And I'm going to set you up for a win today. I'm going to train you on what to expect in marriage, okay? Some of you have been in marriage previously, and I think you're still going to get some things out of this that is going to help you maybe illuminate some things to you. So I'm just going to pull apart four things today and just help us identify some of the mistakes we commonly make in marriage so that we can reveal how to do this thing together. Is that, is that good? Okay, so the first thing that we do in our married life is we pedal pride. We are pedaling pride. Oh my goodness. 
one of the greatest hindrances in a marriage is pride. Self-confidence, self-exalting, self-protecting. It's that thing called pride. Do you know one of the most foolish ways that pride comes out in our communication is in our love for our own voices and our own opinions. It's like, uh, we were at a wedding yesterday. It's like, I'm reminded at every wedding, there's someone who gets the mic and they get mic power. Have you seen those? You know, it's always the people who shouldn't have the mic that have the mic. It's like we stand on our soapboxes in our bedroom across from each other. I got the mic. It's about my issue. It's about my agenda. I want you to hear me and what I'm saying. I don't care about what you're saying. I want to be heard. And so this thing called pride comes out in those moments. Um, Proverbs chapter 18 verse 2 says, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. You see, what I find most of the hassle in marriage is that we're just trying to push and peddle our own stuff all the time, our own agendas, not listening to hear, not listening to learn. We're just listening to respond. You know, married couples, you know what I'm talking about. It just got real quiet in here in Palo Alto. You know, it's like I'm listening to what you're saying, but I'm checking my list off of the rebuttal that is about to come your way. And so I want to take a look at that for a second because pride makes people self-righteous and critical of others. Now, we've all been here. There isn't one of us that don't have some speck of pride happening in our world, at work in our lives. If you think that you are prideless, when you get married, you will realise you are prideful and God will work it out of you in the marriage. I used to think I was so patient and then God gave me children and then that was just was a whole nother thing. And so, and so take some notes now. You see, um, uh, who, who here has been able to identify, you know those wives that have the spiritual gift of fault finding? Oh, my husband, he says on the front row, I don't know what you're talking about. He knows exactly what I'm talking about because I was the best of the best of the best fault finders, wasn't I, babe? I've gotten better over the years, but let me just help you out. Fault finding was definitely my spiritual gift. I mean, before we got married, Adam could do no wrong. He was like Prince Charming, you know, like anything that he did was absolutely amazing and received with such gratitude. And then the second we get married, he could do nothing right, nothing at all. In fact, God made me and he appointed me to be the person to straighten him out because all his inadequacies were just there for me to see. I mean, who else is going to help him? I had to be the Holy Spirit. I had to be the one to work it out of him. And so, and so, listen, ladies, just let me help you out a little bit here. God had to smack me around with Proverbs 21.9. It says, better to live on a corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Oh, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit's big enough to be Holy Spirit all on His own to your husband. He doesn't need you fixing him. He doesn't need you telling him how he needs to do everything. I'm just trying to help somebody out this morning. Learn from me. Stop. You are way too loud and proud about your clapping, Adam. Sit down. <laughs> Sit down. But let me tell you, 
before you all get to, before I lose all my female audience, come back to me, ladies. I love you. I just want you to have a great marriage, you know. But, but hey, pride makes people feel the need to be right all the time. Oh, we know our husbands are right all the time. They never stop for directions because they're right all the time. Adam recreates his own rules. When we play games, oh, there's new rules to every game because whatever move he decides to make, he creates a new rule to allow whatever the move is that he has just made because he is right at all times. And so I, I feel like there's a bit of root just coming out in front of everyone. I need to tuck that away. But... But he's right. He's right. Do you know what? I just want to speak into this because we're all, this goes both ways. Some of us women are just, we're right all the time, you know. We're right about you. We've summed you up. You're the repeat offender in our world. You know, we've got a long list of things that we write about. But let me tell you, proving you're right, even if you are right, (laughs) often comes at the expense of somebody else, of pushing somebody else down, of tearing somebody else down. And husbands, I'm just going to be super stereotypical and just say that that's probably more in your area, you know, where it's like you're you're trying to win the argument, you're trying to be right, you're trying to assert your authority, and you shouldn't need to fight for authority because authority is given. So wives, we need to submit to our husbands because it's given and it's a privilege and it's an honour. But hey... There's, there's that confidence is at stake in your wife when you do that. Let me tell you, piece of advice, if you are a guy in this room, the best, the biggest thing you want to put on the inside of your wife is confidence. You want to build her up because every woman here struggles with insecurity. Every woman feels like she might not be good enough. Even if she's projecting something else, she needs you to to build her into the confident woman that she can be. And And so don't win the argument for temporary victory at the stake of her confidence is all I'm saying and vice versa if it works for you the other way around flip it okay pride is what divided heaven okay and it's the very thing that will divide a marriage if we refuse to acknowledge its existence or its presence and so this is like while we're having fun with this part of the sermon let me tell you pride is the very thing that we will struggle with and we will continue to generate unless we address the presence of it in our marriage And see, pride is the very thing that paralyzes a marriage. It's the very thing that locks a marriage up. It's the very thing that does it because we don't want to admit that we are wrong, number one, or, or, you know, we don't even think that we are wrong, number one. That's usually where most people go wrong. She's, he's bad, you know, he's wrong. I'm not wrong. I'm right all the time. There's like this true conviction. It's funny about deception. When you're deceived, you're actually deceived. And so all of us have this level of pride that we refuse to admit fault. The the reason that pride is so um, devastating to a marriage is because it comes against the intimacy of a marriage. Because when there is uh, the evidence of pride, there is a lack of intimacy. Okay? And... 
And so that's why we need to address it. Do you know Proverbs 16, verse 18? And just throughout this message, if you're wondering, she's reading a lot of Proverbs. Proverbs has a lot of pearls of wisdom for us to live by. A lot of things that maybe even will take us a lifetime to work out. But Proverbs 16, 18 says, First pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Okay, and so, so it's a good thing to stay away from pride. A stark contrast to this, though, is humility. Humility is the very thing that seeks to learn because it recognises its deficiencies. Let me tell you, it is the higher road. It is the smarter road. It is the more intellectual road. It is the better character road to acknowledge that you have some flaws in your life and that you don't know everything. That's humility. Humility, it says um, in Proverbs 12, 15, Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. I'm just trying to help you out here. Your marriage is going to be so enhanced if you can learn how to listen. Speak less, listen more. Let me tell you, that's some truth for you today. See, humility and its power is to see from another person's perspective. Okay, it's the very thing that will unlock us into a whole new world. And I'm just believing today that humility is going to come to you, that humility will be the very thing that opens your eyes up to see your situation, your relationship in a whole new light today. Amen? Awesome. The second thing that we are peddling in our marriages is our own purpose. We peddle our own purpose rather than a unified purpose. I've got to tell you, I speak to so many new newlyweds and young couples and they tell me all about their purpose and, and then he tells me all about his purpose. But the problem is the purposes don't align. And it's like when we come together, we are fearful in marriage that it's going to diminish the purpose of my life. No, marriage is going to enhance the purpose of your life if Christ is at the centre of it. And so I just want to encourage a few people people here today. Marriage is to magnify your life, the purpose on your life. When you have two visions, it becomes division. And so the reason that God is asking us to get a bigger purpose, He wants us to have one great vision. He wants us to have one great vision that's big enough for the two of us to accomplish both our individual purposes. Okay, And so in Genesis chapter 2, it talks about this, that the two will become one. Now, the beautiful thing about this is we often think that it may minimise, it may restrict, but not when the two become one in this context because that's when God gets on it. And when God gets on something, just like when you tithe and you bring your 10%, He gets on it and He multiplies. He magnifies what you have. But when the two become one in marriage, the miracle of multiplication begins to take place. That's the X factor. You see, marriage is so powerful because it's two people becoming one. It's a picture of a man and a woman and God in the equation. There's a trinity. Oh, and then you have a picture of Christ in the church, which is Christ in the church and God, which is the Trinity. That's why marriage is so, so powerful and has the magnitude multiplication factor on it. 
Actually, married is a reflection of Christ's love for the church. It's a picture of God. And so, so we see that, you know, it wasn't until Eve came into the picture that Adam was given the command to be fruitful and multiply. I've got to tell you, just so that you can see in real time, if Adam and I didn't get together, if we didn't get married, let me promise you this. I would have lived a very small life. Not, not pushing any boundaries. I like to play it safe. He has pushed me into everything that we have done. He has enhanced the God calling on my life. When I didn't think I could do it, He showed me that God can. That's the kind of magnification that comes to your purpose. Let me tell you also that He wouldn't be the man of God He is today without me in His corner. That's right. That man of God that you see, He wasn't like that when I first met Him. Oh no, it took prophetic eyes to see what was on him. Took, took anointed prophetic eyes. You gotta thank Jesus for the prophetic gift he gave me, baby. And so this surfer bum, this skater boy had the call of God on his life and I just encouraged him along the way. I just called it out in him along the way. I just told him, hey, you've got a dream to plant a church in Silicon Valley. I think you can do it. I think with God, you can do it in his corner. And I would just begin to cheer him on and to call him in to the God calling of his life. You thought he got all his confidence from God, didn't you? (laughs) Now, I'm gonna take some credit for this one. God gets all the credit all the time. He's amazing. You know, the principle of multiplication in marriage, it's not just to carry babies. And that part, making babies is fun and awesome. And don't get all weird on me because you all like doing that too, okay? But it's not just about that. It's the career God gets on it and enhances your career. He gets on it and enhances your spiritual life. He gets on it and enhances your family life. Marriage has the capacity to enlarge our lives beyond measure. Marriage is not the end of your life. It's the beginning of something far greater than you could ever hope or ever imagine. It's the start of something bigger than ourselves. And I love what Ephesians 4 verse 9 says, it says it best. It says, it's better to have a partner than to go it alone. Share the work because it means that you'll accomplish more and share the wealth. You'll share a bigger reward. If one falls down, the other helps. The potential in partnership is multiplication. It's not just addition. One can put a thousand to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. When a man in the context of the Bible, when a man who is in complete union with God and a woman who is in complete union with God come together, that is a beautiful equation. That has a picture of heaven on it. That has the power of multiplication on it. You thought you got married just for each other. Oh no, you didn't. You got married to be an example and a representation of the house of God and the church. And your marriage is fortifying and putting faith and strength in other people. There is an assignment for your marriage. And some of you are here today and you're thinking, oh, we just got together. Oh, no, you didn't. God has a greater plan than that for you. And maybe if you did just get together, if He gets it together with God and you get it together with God, then you can do something even amazing and become that powerful couple for Him. 
doesn't have to look like us. It can look like whatever it does for your well. But there's, there's a, a power and an anointing on a married couple who get it together. Let, let me tell you, in, um, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper. Somebody say helper. A helper, because God doesn't just call us to someone. He calls us to someone for something, because there's something that both of our hands need to go to. There's something that He has that is bigger than the two of us, and it is requiring two of us to put our hand to it in unison. Amen? Awesome. Third thing we're going to do, I'm going to power through this. It says that we are peddling for our own protection. Oh, we pedal for our own protection. Oh, we go into marriage a little bit guarded, a little bit sensitive. Marriage is vulnerable. Marriage is a, is a vulnerable thing. It's a, a place where we lay down our own self-protection and where we pick up a shield of protection for each other. Let me just break your little box of perfection right here. You, you're thinking you're going to find the perfect man, ladies. He doesn't exist. And you think you're going to find the perfect woman, guys. She doesn't exist either. Imperfection is a reality. My husband's sitting on the front row right here. All those other campuses, he likes attention. And so I've got to fight with that. Where am I? What am I doing? Why am I here? God. Let me tell you, I really did lose it. <laughs> but let me tell you, God, yeah, you can't preach my message for me. <laughs> Shush. When you know, when you know someone so well, it's easy. It's it's easy to expose them all the better. Because you know more about them. You know all the imperfections. And the point of what I'm trying to say is that we come into marriage thinking this person's going to be perfect. They're going to have everything I need. That's not the case. They're going to need you at times. And you're going to need them at times. There's going to be imperfections that you need to cover. You know? And the imperfections are going to be great at times. But covering one another, not exposing one another is so important in a marriage. Because I've got to tell you, there's so many guys, you go to your lunch station and you're like, oh, my stupid wife, she made peanut butter sandwiches again. You know, it's like, yeah? That's right, it's real, right? You're like bagging out your wife to all your mates at work. That's right. And then ladies, we don't even need to use our mouths. We just use our eyes. My husband's coming, check it out, you know, like, you should have heard what he did last night, you know, it's like, man, we're so good at exposing each other's inadequacies. In marriage, you've got to cover those things. You've got to protect each other, speak highly of each other. 1 Peter 4 verse 8 says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. We have to cover our marriages. We need to protect our marriages. And marriages are worth protecting because it's far easier to protect than it is to put back together. Okay? And so 
protection is active. Protective is prevention. My mom used to always say, prevention is better than cure. You know, it's like it's one of those things that stick with you. So today I'm going to help you and give you just five real quick things. I created an acronym on this point so that you can take some things home and put them to work. And, and, and this is how you're going to guard your marriage, okay? You're going to guard your marriage. So that's the acronym, guard. The G stands for this, give. You're going to be a giver in your marriage. You're going to lavish on each other. You're not just going to lavish on each other in affection, but you're going to be generous with your compliments. Be generous. Oh, all the time I tell my husband I love him. I tell him I love him prophetically even when I don't feel like I love him. You know, it's like, I, li- I don't even like you right now, but I love you. And that's, you know, you got to just be generous with your compliments. Sp- like prophesy over him. Tell him he's an amazing man of God. Anyone can go to the lowest common denominator. Be the one that calls him higher. Be the one that tells your wife how amazing she is. Don't tell her she needs to be like this person or that person. Tell her she's uniquely awesome and she's uniquely amazing. Be a giver of finances. None of these separate bank accounts. What the heck? No, you come and you give and don't abuse that either. But just come and lavish on each other. What's mine is yours. What's yours is mine. That guards a marriage. Trust at the centre of all of that. The second thing we're going to do is understand. We're going to understand. We're going to listen to understand. Listen to understand. Not respond We're going to communicate because two-way is communication. We're going to guard our marriage from coming to the wrong conclusions. You know, we cause ourselves so much hurt, unnecessary hurt, self-afflicted hurt. Oh, he said this. Oh, he said that. No, ladies, just take him on his word. He probably don't, we don't need to read into everything that he says. You know, like conspiracy theorists that we are. It's like, he really meant this. No, he didn't. He just meant, I like your hair. Like, you know, he didn't mean you look big in that. Or, you know, like whatever you're going to use to hurt yourself. Okay, I'm just being real. Okay. Then we're going to attract We're going to be attractive people. You know, continue to better yourselves for each other. And I'm not just talking about physically, though some of you do need to get to the gym, okay? But hey, just being real. But hey, not just physically, mentally and emotionally. We need to be attractive people for each other. Do you know what will do us so great in our marriages? If we develop a relationship with God where we can take our stuff to Him and where we can get a good attitude and deal with our bad attitude and then not take that into poisoning the relationship. It's like be attractive to be around not depressive all the time. And there's going to be seasons where you're going to have to help each other through that stuff. But, but for the most part, attractive. We're going to respect. We're going to respect each other, respecting each other's differences, respecting what each other has to bring to the table. There's so many times where I thought, oh, because Adam has it. Well, that means I'm inadequate. I'm, you know, I can't bring something. No, we've had to learn to celebrate the, re- the differences and respect the differences in each other. Do you know when we were on that um, bike, that tandem bike, we came to a hill Now, when you come to a hill, what do you do on a normal bike? You've got to stand up and pedal up the hill. 
well, it sucks to be the second person on a tandem bike with someone's butt in your face. And so he's like riding up the hill with his butt in my face. And do you know what? All I could think about right then was the power that his legs were generating to get us up the hill. I was happy for his physical strength. I was happy for what he brought to the table that day. That was awesome. But there's going to be different things that we bring. Respect them. Respect them in each other. Don't tear them down in each other. You don't need to be the same. Differences are beautiful in marriage. Differences are to be celebrated in marriage. That's amazing. Date night is the last thing. You're going to date each other. I can say this. Yes, give me some support. Who cheered just then? Yes, date night, okay? Date nights are fun. Date nights are the secret source of a marriage. Date nights are what? Generate romance, but even better than that, a friendship that will last a lifetime. And you need to fortify time for that. You need to get away and have a consistency. Because let me tell you, consistency is very sexy. To know that He's going to have continued investment in me. And you give other, you make regular appointments with other people. Why not your spouse? Why not give them the best? Why not have those date nights? Amen? Fourth thing, we're peddling. We're peddling our own pain. Oh, we're good at this one. We're going to little bikes and pedal our own pain. You know, you know, it's like, it's like the witch and the, you know, like the, you know, you know, the Wizard of Oz. It's like, I don't know where that came from. But that, gosh, let's reel it back in. But we're carrying, we're carrying our own pain. We're carrying our own childhood pain. We're carrying our own parenting pain. We're carrying our own relationship pain from the past and from the present. We're carrying our own self-inflicted pain. Where there's all this pain, and the pain inevitably surfaces in the context of a relationship. It inevitably surfaces in some argument you're having about shoes, but now it's about all the things that they've ever done wrong in their whole entire time of being married to you. It's like what's in the heart, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we find that that I find that what causes the most problem when we peddle our own pain is when we're trying to communicate, but manipulation isn't communication. And so we, we're bringing up all this stuff from the past and things that are deep surface wounds and, and trying to generate them in our relationships. But have you noticed this? You all come into the context of a relationship with a background. And I know that when I came into the married world, the married life, I had, a, I had an idea of what marriage was. I had an idea that it was uh, fragile, that it was breakable, that it wasn't long-term, that it was temporary. In fact, my mom is one of five children all of the marriages ended in divorce, all generations. So I actually had no example of a marriage that stayed together. And then coming into the house of God, I'm looking at all these other people and seeing, oh, okay, so marriages can last. Then I get married to this guy. This guy has a whole lineage, heritage of Christian marriages, four generations, all church planters. I should have seen that coming, but I didn't. I was a little bit simple back then. And so, and so but let me tell you, the, the God centre of that map, oh, the proof's in the pudding for me. 
You just look at that side of the family, you look at my side of the family. God's the thing that makes a marriage work. God's the thing that makes a marriage work. And so I came into that and just thinking, oh my gosh, can this work? Will this work for the first 10 years of our marriage? Every time we hit a problem and you will hit problems in your married life, you will hit things like a wall and you'll come up against the wall and it'll feel like it's a cliff edge. And that cliff edge is like hopelessness. It's like we've been around this a few times and we're still not over it. Can we ever get over it? You'll ask yourself questions like that. You'll wonder what's the way out? Is there a way out of this? And sometimes I know in the first 10 years of our marriage, I just kept throwing out the D card, you know, the divorce card. Oh, well, maybe, maybe if if I'm so bad to be with, then maybe divorce me. You know, it's just me having a cop out. You don't jump off a bike mid-ride, do you? No, you stay on it. You develop some strength and muscle and fortitude and you keep going even when you don't know where you're going and keep going. You stay on the bike and so... So I found that just having to get rid of get rid of some of those things, take some of those things off the table. Because some of you have your deck of cards that you play in every argument and they're your deck of cards of pain. And it's like the joker is the D card. The joker is the whatever card, I'm gonna leave card. The joker is the, that, we need to get that card and we need to rip that card up and we need to get that card off the table that we don't ever put it on there again. So that that, because that's just when you deal with pain, when you're peddling pain. We don't need to peddle the pain anymore because marriage is permanent. Marriage is a lifetime thing. And you see, the reason that pain, let me tell you, pain's inevitable in marriage, okay? Just sorry to smash your bubble there. Pain is inevitable, but I figure if pain is inevitable, then we should come in with a pre-planned response to what that looks like. And I'm just trying to set you up for that today because if you're not prepared for it, you'll go down a path of bitterness and a path of bitterness has no mercy. It has no grace attached to it. And it's usually the end of a marriage. But let me give you a way out of that today because in James 2.13, it says this, there will be no mercy to those who have shown no mercy to others. But if you have been merciful... God will be merciful when He judges you. Oh, we're all great at throwing stones at each other, but hey, we need to be merciful. The other thing is Matthew 6, 14. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. There's a cure for our bitterness today. God, It's called grace. It's the thing that we want so much of, but we find so hard to give. And Ephesians 4.31 says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behaviour. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted. I believe that God is softening hearts even now for you with your spouse. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another and forgiveness is a choice. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Why don't you stand to your feet in every location today? Because I want to invite my husband up and we're going to pray together for all our married couples. We're going to pray for those of you who aren't married yet, that you will have an incredible marriage. Amen. And just see God do something amazing. We don't want to minimise the pain that you're bringing into this. We don't want to undermine that work. But I do know the power of forgiveness. I do know that it's the very thing that unlocks a lot of the struggles and pressures in a marriage. 
And I'm just believing that God will give you the ability to do that because we don't have the ability to love unless we have Christ. It's not easy to forgive. It's not easy to love in the face of adversity, but with Christ, we can. With Christ, your marriage can work. It's the very thing. Actually, the Bible talks about that. It says, love each other as I have loved you. Then they will know, the world will know that I am real. The world needs to know that He is real. And he will, they will know it through our marriages. They'll know it the way we love each other. Amen. We hope you were blessed by this message. If you have a story to share about what God has done in your life or what He's currently doing in your life, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at mystory@vivechurch.org. For more information, for service times and locations, or to partner with us financially, visit us at vivechurch.org.